What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode number 17 of RizzoCast. I'm Steven Risotto, and we are joined by, and I'm going to butcher your name. I already know this completely. Is it Arden Cravalho? Close. It's Arden Cravalho. Cravalho. Okay, Arden Cravalho. There you go. And Arden is a production assistant at NBC Sports Authentic, NBC Sports Bay Area, otherwise known as, and a sports producer for 95.7 The Game. He's also a multimedia journalist at Slipper Still Fits, which is a Gonzaga Bulldogs page. And he's also a podcast host for Busting Brackets, which is the fan side account for college basketball. And uh, one thing that we were joking about and what kind of connected us here is is Sarah Connection. Uh, Sarah Grad, Gonzaga uh, Grad, which is a combination that I've actually heard before. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, So Arden, what's Mm -hmm. what's going on with you? How's it going? You know, just taking it day by day right now. Uh, We got sports back, back, which makes it a lot easier. I've um, been watching a lot of basketball daily and, uh, of course, a lot catching up with uh, the Giants baseball. So things are things are looking up in the world. Yes, they are. They they are. And, you know, I, I've talked to so many people over this quarantine. I've done a lot of these shows. And the common trend is people pick up on new stuff. And it's kind of interesting because I've picked up on a lot. Um, you know, I've I've done a lot of reading. I've picked up on door dashing, which isn't something I expected to be doing heading into uh, <laughs> heading into this period. So that's kind of interesting. So I was wondering, what have you been doing during this, during this period? Um, yeah, I would say a little bit more reading. Like there's been some books stacked up that I've gotten from my grandparents, uh, from friends and some actually one from uh, an author who wrote a book about the history of the Philadelphia 76ers and their um, you know, the race to a championship. Uh, so there's, those are the type of books that I've been interested in and taking a part of uh, during this quarantine. Also, one of my favorites is that I've reread multiple times is the Fab Five Michigan basketball story back in the uh, 80s and 90s. So yeah, just reading up on some sports books around the house. Awesome. So, you know, you mentioned sports are back. Um, mm-hmm. And it is awesome. I think it's given a lot of people uh, a distraction, you know, away from all of this stuff. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. You know, NBA's Definitely. back with the bubble. Uh, Major League Baseball back with no bubble, but they've had some cases. Um, so I was wondering what, you know, what your thoughts are in terms of the state of sports right now. Sorry, you cut out there a little. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> you were talking about uh, baseball and the bub- or um, the situation with baseball? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pretty much um, the state of sports, everybody's kind of getting a distraction and such uh, with basketball back, baseball back. Yeah. So what do you think about the state of sports right now? Is it healthy? You know, is it are, – are they doing – you know, because obviously this is – all they could do pretty much with the situation given. So what do you think about the state of sports right now? Yeah. Well, I think uh, if we had to break it down, obviously the NBA is doing it the best, like with the bubble in Orlando. Uh, just reported today, again, uh, they said zero reported cases of coronavirus in the bubble since July 29th. 
uh, when they first started testing those uh, players in the bubble. And so that's the great success story right from the beginning. And I think that they'll continue to try or continue this greatness or success uh, throughout the playoffs until the NBA championship. So when I see that, I see, I think the NFL has to learn from that immediately. And I wish the MLB could have done that, but it was just a little with their, their whole uh, talks, contract talks with the, between the MLB Players Association and the owners of the uh, baseball teams, that was obviously not an option, not available to them. So now I see the NFL, Roger Goodell, has, having, have to learn from what the NBA has done, try to find locations with multiple bubbles that are able to work for them. Um, and now let's go to the MLB, which obviously started off pretty good, started off good until this whole Florida case uh, with the Marlins. Um, I mean, it's tough. It's a tough situation to deal with, with the whole uh, coronavirus situation. My thing with it is don't hold anything back. The Marlins at one point were holding cases or holding information back to the MLB about their players and their symptoms. And that's something you just can't do. So maybe you can say that where they are now with all these, uh, with all these players having the uh, coronavirus, that's because they held it back. They didn't tell the truth up front. So that's my only real issue with it. We're glad that now they're back to playing baseball. They played a game against the uh, Baltimore Orioles yesterday, and they're playing today. Um, I think they got to win that game, actually, over the Orioles. So uh, that's good to hear. Other teams, obviously, are still being postponed, like the Philadelphia Phillies. Their games are being postponed. But hopefully we get back to a point where um, – we can actually play ball, you know, everybody can play ball. For sure. So do you think that it was, you know, obviously it's so important to report these um, results and symptoms and such. Do you think that a lack of, I don't know if violation is the right word, but lack, you know, lack of um, attentiveness to the protocols. Do you think, you know, protocols were being broken? We heard the thing about the Atlanta uh, nightclub. So what do you think was going on with, with the Marlins in terms of maybe not following the rules? I, I like how you brought the Atlantic nightclub situation with Lou Will, because that's what I think exactly happened. I mean, Florida is a party town, and uh, they were, and I know they were traveling down to Atlanta, and that's what they're saying, where they contracted it. But who knows for sure where they actually contracted it, because it's just hard to tell. And I, I think it might have been maybe a little party situation similar to Lou Will going to a nightclub in Florida, having nightclubs everywhere when you turn around uh, the street, so uh, around the corner and down the street. So, yeah, it, it, I think that's kind of where my head's at and where this uh, virus actually started. Yeah, so, uh, and of course, baseball's come back with, uh, you mentioned the negotiations between the players and Major League Baseball, which was, <laughs> that's a different discussion in its own. It was a mess. Um, yeah. And, I mean, um, I'm just glad we're past that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that was that was such a mess. And, you know, I already know it's going to be something that we're going to have to deal with uh, come after 2021. Uh, but do you like some of these new rules, like the DH in the National League, runner at second base to start extras, three batter minimum? Do you dig kind of what they, you know, an introduction to maybe the new school of baseball? I'm a fan of the DH. I'm not as much of a fan of the second base, uh, putting a player on the second base in uh, extra innings. Just 
I, I don't think it's really authentic to baseball. I don't really like the idea of it. It's just seems a little cheap in my mind. Um, and then what was the other one? The three batters. Yes. I, I mean, it makes sense. I understand the whole point of it, speeding up the game. And uh, obviously part of that uh, rule was implemented because of Bochi and his uh, always switching pitchers in after one batter, depending on who's lefty or righty or what the deal is, how he is, uh, how he is uh, up against this pitcher, like what's his stats, his career stats against this pitcher. So it's a whole analytics game, and I understand that. And the whole point of it is to speed up the game. It also kind of ruins the game in a little bit, in a way, because of the idea of Bochi like having to put in this certain pitcher for a lefty uh, against a lefty batter, or whatever the case may be. I understand it goes both ways, so that one I can live or die with. Yeah, Logi is is a is an awesome term to be honest with you, um, and guys like Javier Lopez and. Uh, what's uh, Randy Choate is another one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Those guys yeah, wouldn't yeah, yeah. have careers with this new three batter minimum rule. Um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, I don't like it that much. Runner at second base. Um, you know, I. It's cool to try out this year. It seems um, cheesy. Yeah, it, it yeah. is cheesy. <laughs> a little bit of it is, and I, you know, the argument against it is, you know, this is a something that they do after summer ball games and and there's a team coming up after that wants yeah. to play and they got to yeah. cut on time um yeah so that mm-hmm. that's interesting um but and also the uh the dh i don't mind it i think more offense the better you know pitching is good enough um so i think it it, it does i think add, exactly yeah it exactly. does add to the game uh so giants san francisco giants they're five and seven at the time of this recording uh what were your expectations for them going into this year? Obviously, with the new expanded postseason, I guess there's a chance. But on paper, you know, they're kicking the ball left and right. They have the most errors in the game. Let's start. Let's start with your expectations. Where were your expectations before the year? Well, I <laughs> on Twitter I always like to joke and just have a good time with it. So I was saying like, oh, this. They're definitely a wild card team, and I'm just screwing around, like having fun with uh, some people. And then I re- and then I gave my realistic uh, pick, and I thought they would be around 20 and 40. I thought that's where their mark is. And uh, wow, that first start to the season was uh, something unheard or unexpected from most Giants fans. It was really something to watch. And now the last three games, this is my normal Giants. There's always something wrong with them exactly yeah there, there's I mean kicking the ball around uh, we, we've seen yeah. bad throws we've seen guys mm-hmm. not covering their bases yeah the simple things that, that professional athletes should be able to do like right away yeah and it shows just how much baseball is a mind game and you know Gabe it Kapler is. Gabe Kapler obviously first year's manager um, there's that one game where he made the mistake you know after the pitching coach yeah. came out you know, he went to go remove the uh, Tyler Rogers. It was, and you can't do that. You can't have two mount visits in a row. So, if you were to give Gabe Kapler a grade, and, and then after that incident, after that incident, I feel like most of the players kind of just like fall in his footsteps and started making those mental errors. Because once you see that the higher up is doing that, oh sh, might be uh, doing that too. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a it's a it's it's a it's a ripple effect. It really is, and that really exactly. was the turning point. Now that you bring it up, it was the turning point. Um, 
And I guess it's too early to say that there is turning points, but that was a that was a good call right there. So if you were to give him a grade, what would it be? First year manager, our first Giants manager, year Giants manager. Um, you know, I mean, I might I might have to dock him a point for that uh, for that little incident on the mound, but I give him like I guess a C plus. It's above passing, and it's more than I expected from him. I was gonna uh, at this point probably give him a C minus. So that's jumped up two points right there. So props to him. Let's see if he can continue it, maybe get in that B range. Yeah, for sure. Let, let's talk about WCL stuff now. Um, obviously, this is near and dear to my heart, near and dear to your heart. Um, this is the league. I'm sorry. This is the league in California. If we're talking about any type of trying yeah. to get recognized in California as a high school player, this is the league you want to play in. Do you agree with that? I try to tell people from that I meet in LA and San Diego from college, like they say that their leagues are the best. We're one of the top leagues in California. And I try to tell them, no, this, you have never experienced WCL athletes and the competition in this league. And it's been like that for the past hundred years and whatever it started. So yeah, no, without a doubt, WCL is the top premier league in California. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've, played four years of high school well I don't know if you count this year because we never actually did start league play I would I'll give it I'll give it to you yeah okay so yeah four four year varsity four year yeah exactly so um you know it's so like especially when you start to get um south a little bit more so the San Francisco teams you know they could compete in some things um you know maybe not as much football but yeah. you go down south to you know where you went sarah then you go even further down midi st francis valley christian these are some really powerhouse teams bellerman, bellerman yeah so which one yeah. of, you know when you went so when did you graduate 2015 2015 so you know if if you were to pick anybody that you saw maybe during that time maybe a little bit before maybe even after an athlete, pick an athlete. Which one would you say was the most electric at what he did? I'm going to give you one that's non-Sarah, and then I'm going to give you one that is Sarah. So the non-Sarah one, without a doubt, it's one of the easiest questions or answers that I've given to this question. It's Aaron Gordon. Like I got to see, I got to see Aaron Gordon at least I think one, two, four times, four times in person. Uh, my favorite time is when it was uh, his senior year in 2014. They were playing at Sarah, and we have not been able to beat Mitty at Sarah since uh, for the past six years, seven years. It's been a, it was a long time at that point, and they shut him down completely. I think he barely got like maybe 15 points, which is not not he's more around the 25 range when he's playing WCL basketball. And that was just one of the best moments ever. And then, but then right afterwards, when we got a chance to play them in the WCAL championship at Foothill College, which no longer exists, uh, which I wish they brought back. It was a lot of fun. Uh, he dominated us. Absolutely dominated us. I remember he missed uh, a layup, and then he just grabbed his own rebound in the air or off the miss and dunked it right over one of our biggest men. And I knew right from there, I was like, oh, he, he's coming for revenge after that loss uh, at Sarah. <laughs> and then the non the, or the Sarah athlete, I would say, has to be 
Eric Wilson. He was a running back at Sarah uh, my freshman year. And uh, I grew up going to football games at Sarah. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. But right around that time, uh, maybe like Patrick Walsh's like third or fourth year in 2010 and 2011 is when the Sarah football team really just took it up a notch and they just turned it on and started winning a bunch of different games. And Eric Wilson was the, one of the first players that really stood out to me uh, on that Sarah uh, team. He went on later to be a running back at University of Washington. He played there for a couple of seasons, didn't do anything afterwards. But when he was at Sarah, he was electric. He was must-see football. Yeah, Aaron Gordon is definitely a, uh, a a name that, you know, I ask a lot of people that question. That is the name that comes up the most. And I had a conversation it with – It Yeah, I had a conversation with the Reardon Strength and Conditioning Coach um yeah. who was there you know during that time and he said that because Reardon I'm sure you've been there uh to the gym and, and such yeah it's a really nice gym and you know when it's packed it's, it's, it's very cool atmosphere yeah and he said that when Aaron Gordon played there you could not find a seat you could not even find standing room yeah. only <laughs> it was it was so amazing to watch him play um and honestly yeah. the other guys just look not even, you know, he was in a different, he was on a different level when he, when he was with uh, Mitty. So it's pretty incredible. And, um, you know, Reardon had a good basketball team this year. It's a shame that they didn't get to keep going. Um, I know I, I was, I got to go to the uh, Sarah uh, Reardon game um, at Reardon. I went there with uh, my uncle who's uh, just a Sarah basketball nut and goes to every game. Um, and uh, I thought that rearing team, that, that was the best rearing team I've probably seen in my lifetime. Like, it was so talented with Jelani Clark and Bryce Monroe and uh, Moxair. Is that how you say that, Moxair? Uh, more sec. More sec, more sec. Yes. See, I was like, I, I knew I was wrong on that one. But anyway, uh, more sec. He was just ginormous, cleaning up every rebound. He was a good outlet passer, which was good to see from the size because that's part of the game that I think uh, big men really need to improve. Like if you look at Nikola Jokic, a big pass, big man that can pass the ball. That's just a big part of the game that people need to, at his height, need to improve on. So when I saw that, I was like, this team's really got it. They have all the different pieces that are built for a state championship run, and then unfortunately they got stopped from that. Yeah, you know that was a that was a really good group. You know, I covered a few games for a high school newspaper where I was the editor in chief, and you know. And I've done my fair share of uh, history projects with Mr. Jelani Clark. So it's going to be awesome to see uh, what happens with them moving forward. Oh, okay. Uh, those individuals. Um, so yeah. that's pretty awesome um, that you got to see them play because it was so fun watching them uh, for sure. Um, they in were terms talented. Of, in terms of They're athletes, very talented. Yeah, exactly. In terms of athletes that I've seen come out of the WCL, um, a lot of them – you know, are not up yet. You know, some of them have gone pro. Uh, a lot of them are not up yet. But the one, you know, in, in terms of baseball that I've uh, people have told me that has been standout when he was in this league has been Mitch Hanniger, uh, who is currently with the Seattle Mariners. Um, and I believe he was a two-sport star at, at Mitty. Um, you know, played played football. I I. I don't think he played basketball, but he definitely played football and baseball. But all the baseball Yeah, I don't people, think he played basketball. I would have remembered that name. Yeah, all the people rave about him. Uh, so that's the one that I've heard a lot. Um, and before I came to Reardon, I saw um, Hunter Bishop 
actually play yeah. a couple yeah. varsity yeah. games. Um, and, you know, I didn't think much of him, to be honest. He wasn't a standout guy at the time. Even at ASU, he was not a standout his first two years. Um, yeah, so, yeah, okay, yeah. I got to say, his junior year was that his, uh, his big year that made him so high up because he was a, a beast in his final season at Arizona State. But, yeah, when he was uh, – well, when he first came to Sarah, he was originally supposed to be there only to be the starting quarterback. Like, that was the thing. Like, he, we didn't think – we knew he played baseball, but we, we wanted him to be the guy, the starting quarterback for Sarah Padres. And he did do that his junior year, and he enjoyed it. But then he quickly switched his mind. He said, no, I'm done with football. I'm going to focus completely on baseball. And that obviously turned out to be the best decision he's ever made in his life. Yeah, for sure. So how much do you guys hear about um, – because I, I shadowed I had, I shadowed Sarah uh, before mm-hmm. you know, Reardon. Um, I didn't like it. But uh, mm-hmm. – <laughs> Uh, how much did you guys hear about about um, you know Barry Bonds and Tom Brady? Because you know those guys are gods there, uh, especially Brady because he still does a lot in terms of funding. You know the, the fields named after. Yeah. So how much do you guys hear about those? Oh, two when you guys are on campus. All the time, like constantly. Most of the Sarah staff is Sarah alumni. So they would be constantly saying that either they were classmates with Tom Brady, uh, they taught Barry Bonds, or they knew Lynn Swan at the time. They were like in the same, uh, they were at Sarah at the same time as Lynn Swan. So yeah, you hear about those names all the time. And then of course, in my family, um, we're all Sarah Padres. It goes down deep in the Cravalho family. So we constantly talk about the the star athletes that have come across the, the Sarah hallways. So yeah, you hear about it a lot. And then when you tell friends, like I had a cousin that was visiting and we went up to the city and I don't know why it came up. Like, I think we were talking about, I think he was talking about Austin Rivers and he went to the same high school as Austin Rivers. And then he asked what kind of alumni went to my school. And I said, I lifted him off Barry Bonds, Tom Brady, Lynch one. He said, no, nah, you're lying. You're absolutely lying. And I said, no, you can search it. Like, that's the truth. And some people are just shocked by that, uh, that answer. Yeah, that's that is so crazy. Two very possible goats at their sport going to the yeah, same high yeah. school. Like, what are the odds of that? I know. Pretty crazy. In, um, a, in a small in a small little city on the peninsula in the Bay Area, it's just wild to hear of. Yeah, San Mateo. That's 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 where it goes down right there, San Mateo. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, in terms of high school sports happening this year, um, we heard something from the CIF, and it it you know I didn't have time to read the whole thing I should have yeah but you know they kind of went over how football is going to start and it's going to be pushed back a little bit um and there's going to be a situation where teams could play like two sports at once I think and um it's so interesting you know COVID has changed the way we do things at a tremendous rate so what do you think about you know high school sports this year um do you think it would be a good move, maybe moving it a little bit later, maybe winter, maybe spring? What do you what do you think about that? So so what the article said is that they hope to uh, start the fall sports in de- either December of 2020 or January of 2021. And that would just be for the fall sports during that time. And then they would push the winter and spring sports after that once those seasons are completed and that'll be during springtime maybe around i don't know march or somewhere around there 
Um, so yeah, no, I think that's the best move that you have to make at this point. Uh, we can obviously live without high school sports. Uh, it would be a little weird that we don't have our like homecoming game around fall time or whatever it may be for high school football. That's a little strange, but it's something that you obviously have to learn to live with during this time. And I think it's a great idea. I think it's smart and you get a feel for it in the, with the fall teams, uh, competing in December or January. And hopefully around that time, there will be a uh, vaccine for this virus. So we'll be able to start spreading that out. That'll be a long process to give that, to give that out to people. But, um, I think that'd be ideal, ideal for high school sports to start around that time. And we can live without it because we obviously have uh, baseball and basketball until, uh, I think, uh, I know baseball until October, and I'm pretty sure basketball until September, October. So we're fine for the time being. We can live without that for at least a month or two. Yeah, for sure. And I feel for the people in Texas that really, you know, they 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 bow down to those, you know, those high school football teams in Texas. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's what I was thinking about. This high weekend. school stadiums. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's literally amazing how much they cherish their high school um more so high school football but it's it's like a whole thing down there i mean they do bar they do like mm-hmm. um barbecues oh yeah the game um it's it's crazy the way that they work down there um and i also think high school it's a religion sports, honestly. yeah it's a religion i also think high school sports is one of the most pure forms of sports um because kids are just having fun I mean, there is that select few that, yeah. you know, maybe are trying to, that there's one guy trying to get drafted and, you know, maybe that could cause some problems. But for the most part, it's it's a lot of kids coming together, good friends competing. Uh, did you play sports at Sarah? Yeah, I played, uh, I played volleyball, actually, three years on varsity there. Uh, I wasn't good enough to make any other sports, unfortunately. Uh, I still love the game of basketball. That's the one sport true and dear to my heart. But uh, I agree with you on that, that what you were saying about um, how uh, the most pure high school sports are the most pure of all the sports, and especially in the WCAL, because you get that nice mixture of uh, people that are there to compete, have fun, and then you get those high-end, talented stars that are there to prove themselves. You get that nice mixture, and 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 these players are actually – uh, the players that are there just to have fun and compete, they're actually pushed by those uh, stars, their leaders, and they want to compete even harder. So that's what makes the WCL even more exciting than any other league that you may come across in California. So that's a good point. Yeah, and, you know, all the facilities in the WCL are top-notch. I mean, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe not all the stadiums are Texas-like, but, you know, all of them are, are very um, – are very they're able is that the, i don't know if that's oh right, yeah but they're completely no but nice. they're, they're, and they're very they're very nice they're very nice we're we're blessed obviously to be a, a catholic uh private uh institution at sarah and same with you at reared in most schools or all schools in wcal um so yeah obviously we have a little bit of money to spend and um the, the athletes are benefited from it and we thank the the board for doing that for us yeah, exactly. We got a new field that was talked about for years, and I got to play on it like once. So that that's you know, it's it's unbelievable how uh, how how unlucky I was with that situation. But whatever. Hopefully, uh, a lot of Crusaders um, and a lot of W players yeah. could cherish that field for many more years to come. Um, I hope so. Yeah. 
Yeah. So how is that all boys experience for you? Um, Cause I came from a, a public school and for me, honestly, it was no change at all. You know, it's less drama because girls, they're going to be, they're going to, you know, they're going to be in your life for the rest of it. And you're going to have, obviously you're going to have yeah, yeah, the rest yeah. of your life. That's what my mom always says. Um, but yeah, yeah. You know, it was a, it was a positive. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, for me, yeah, no, it was definitely a positive experience. I came from a uh, Catholic middle school, St. Matthew's here in San Mateo, where uh, it was actually, uh, we had girls and um, we had to also wear uniforms. So I was getting kind of two different things flip-flopped. I, was, I lost the girls, but I also lost the uniform. Like we were allowed to wear fair t-shirts and like jeans and like normal clothes somewhat. There was some rules to it, but it wasn't as terrible as it was at St. Matthew's with the uniform. So I kind of, I was grateful for that. And well, yeah, like you said, no drama, no drama, uh, just being with the boys, guys being dudes, you know how it is. And it was pretty fun uh, to be hanging out with all my friends constantly. And then what also was good about uh, what Sarah did is that we had the tri-school classes with Notre Dame and Mercy who are very close to us, like within very few miles. And so we had the classes with them, which made it a lot easier to adjust at first and uh, get to experience uh, some classes with girls. And we obviously have events with uh, the, those girls at um, football games, dances, whatever it may be, clubs and all that sort of stuff. So it's a very easy adjustment and something that I learned to live with and enjoy. Awesome. Did you guys have the brotherhood? Was that slogan thrown around a lot? Because I heard it all the time. Uh, yeah, no, we we are the brotherhood. You, you got Duke at, at the college level. They're the brotherhood for Duke basketball. And then for Sarah, that's the brotherhood for WCL, no doubt. That's how it is over there. Well, I guess it is now because we're in the Duke co-ed. Yeah, um, definitely. How do you feel about that? Yeah, so the whole situation's interesting because it happened within weeks. So I covered the whole thing for the newspaper and um, – it was probably the biggest story I've covered ever. Um, so we got the the thing that, you know, Mercy shut down. Um, and then like the next couple days, it was, it was, you know, something that Reardon was uh, talking about. And we're like, wow, this is happening so quick. And then like, there's parent meetings. And I went to the parent meetings that are not so happy parents. There were parents that were okay with it there were students that weren't happy there were students that were okay with it it was a horror deal and you know it i don't mind you know because honestly whatever's gonna you know keep the school open for longer personally i think the all boys uh the all boys thing is important and i think it's obviously something that everybody every boy needs to experience uh i can't speak on behalf of the all girls experience clearly but um I, I thought it was a positive experience, but I'm down for whatever's going to keep the school open. And if it's going to, you know, have yeah. going into Reardon, perfect. Open it up. Um, but when, when it, op- when they announced that, you know, we're going co-ed, it was the most adrenaline we've had in the newsroom. Cause there's a vote with the board of trustees. <laughs> and I wrote, yeah, yeah. I wrote an article about if it was rejected, I wrote, if it was passed, so we had everything ready. So once they announced it, mm-hmm. I was actually in baseball. Uh, we were working out for baseball. 
and I ran up to the newsroom and quickly pressed publish and then it was out and we were the ones that broke the news. So that was pretty awesome. So that's my story again. Yeah. Whatever keeps it open the most. Um, I'm all so, wait, you, you guys were the ones, the first, the first outlet to publish it. You were the first one to break the news. Yes, we were. And we actually had a stakeout oh, wow. earlier that week during the board, when the board voted, we had a stakeout. Now we were there to like nine o'clock and we tracked down the president at his office. He was like, what are you guys doing here? It's late. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. but it was, it was, it was a really cool experience. Cause that's what it's like to cover an actual event. So it was good cool. journalism right there. I'm glad, I'm glad you were the first one to let that out. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so before we sign off a little bit about you, uh, you're obviously big time producer now. Um, I had FP Santangelo Jr. on here yeah. and he said, he said that it wasn't in the cards. Um, it wasn't in his cards in terms of what he necessarily wanted to do. So was this something that you were looking to go yeah. into? Sorry, you broke out right there towards the end. What was that again? Oh, was this something that you were, you know, looking to go into producing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, well, actually, now that you say that, I mean, obviously, when I first uh, decided to go to Gonzaga to study broadcast and electronic media, the reason being was I was the broadcaster for KCA Radio, a uh, sports radio station in Menlo Atherton that did WCL games, did uh, PAL games. Um, so that was kind of my thing. I wanted to be a sports broadcaster or a sports uh, um, personality, you could say. And that's what I really dreamed of doing. So I went to Gonzaga, studied there, um, also studied journalism and PR at that time. And then I was looking for an actual sports personality or sports uh, reporter, something around, along those realms. I was looking for that sort of job out of college. And it was a tough, it's very tough. It's very tough to get into that, especially straight out of college. So I thought, all right, let's kind of bring it down a little bit. Let's see what the next, uh, what, what's something else that I could dive into. And I thought, oh, a little more behind the scenes production. So I could definitely do that. I did a little bit of that in college. And uh, that's when I went to my local stations here around the Bay Area, hit up Cron 4, hit up uh, my ABC 7 again, where I interned over the summer the year before. And then I went to NBC Sports Bay Area in 95.7. And luckily enough, they were the ones that clicked. And I was blessed that I got the opportunity and that I've had the opportunity to work with them. And yeah, so I, over time, I've learned to love the production side of it. And I think that's something I can definitely do. And I would call it a career honestly like I'd be happy I would be very happy if that was my end goal um uh but I would I do dream of still being on camera um so if that opportunity ever shows itself um I would jump at the action and try to grab it you know try to go for it mm -hmm. awesome yeah that's that's along the, the same lines of what FP Jr. said um by the way Joe Shasky, yeah, Reardon, Reardon, Reardon alum. So just want to put that out there here. Uh, the, the, yeah, the we talked about it. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's no, no, no. He, whenever I work, whenever I work with him, we, we just go out and talking about some WCL stuff and he always brings up Reardon and yeah, I don't think he's the biggest Terra fan. So I just, we have fun with it. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's very colorful. I mean, it's, it's crazy. His path. I, I, I've heard him on the radio calling into shows for years, and now he's got his own show. Oh it's yeah, amazing the path he's gone down. 
Um, it show it just it just shows that you can if you you can if you have a dream and you may not have the background for it you can still find a way to sneak into what you want to do you know there's there's no there's no way you should shouldn't be able to do something that you dream of you know. Awesome, great piece of advice. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, do you want to plug yourself? Where can where can uh, viewers and listeners find you at? So if you want to follow me, follow me on Twitter at a underscore Pravalo. Uh, that would be a great start. And then you can also follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, just search Arden Pravalo and I'll pop right up. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow us on Rizzocast, uh, at Rizzocast, which is our handle for Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Steven Risotto, S-T-E-V-N-R-I-S-S-O-T-T-O. Thank you guys for listening and have a great day.